This is Indian Noir. You are listening to His Night Begins, Season 3, Episode 2. You took your sweet time, didn't you? Chetiar says jokingly as Virat re-enters the car after visiting his sick uncle Arjun at his home. I like to seek his blessings before I embark on a big gig. He taught me the trade. He is my guru. He is like a father to me, Virat says. How is he? Chetiar asks as he puts the car into gear. He is dying, Virat says. They drive on in the direction of Ravina's home. The syndicate had organized for the meeting to take place in the presence of his ex-wife. They will have conditions, Chetiar says. You know this. No such thing as a free pass with this lot. I expect as much, Virat says. Virat is back to his full strength. His black t-shirt struggles to conceal his ripped physique. Chetiar is both scared and delighted to see the intensity in his friend's eyes. Shuketu looked after you well, Chetiar says after throwing a glance at Virat's killer body. Virat nods. He purses his lips as he remembers farewelling his carer. The old man with a thousand army tales. I was serious. You come back and take over this farm from me when you're done. The horses would love that too, Suketu had said as he placed his hand on Virat's head to give him his blessings. Virat could still feel the weight of the old man's calloused hands on his forehead. They arrive at their destination. Chetiar parks his car in front of the two-story house and looks around. I don't see any cars out front. Do you think this is a trap? Chetiar questions. Most assuredly, Virat says, turning to Chetiar. Chetiar swallows in fear. I want to thank you for everything you have done for me. But I must ask you for one last favor, Virat says. It has been my pleasure, Chetiar says. My friend. Virat nods. I need a gun. Chetiar hesitates for a second before opening the glove compartment. He pulls out a Beretta PX4 Storm. Virat smiles. 
He loves the fast precision triggers and the sturdy grip on these babies. Chetiar hands it over to Virat with a look of concern. I want you to leave now. Whatever happens here, whatever is going to happen to me, I don't want you to be a part of it. Not anymore. The syndicate has let you live for now. But they can change their mind. I don't want to be responsible for your death, Virat says. I, Chetiar says. No arguments, Virat responds. Virat steps out of the car and looks at his former home, which now slumbers in the afternoon heat like a den of painful memories. Yes, boss. He's here. Just stepped out of the car. The man in the front passenger seat says into the phone. The driver of the car that is observing Chetiar's vehicle rubs his hand gleefully and says, I can't wait for him to discover the surprise we have organized inside the house. Shut the fuck up, Ramu. The boss is on the phone. The man holding the phone says with a look of displeasure. Hambos, everything was laid out according to your wish. The man says before switching off the phone. He slaps the driver hard across the face. You fucking idiot. Don't pull that shit on me again. Sorry, Bello. I was just expressing the inner joy in my soul. Bilu let out a long sigh. Ramu, do you know why you are in the employ of the syndicate? Because you are as good at using a knife to cut up a human body as I am. That is your only worth as a human being. No one, especially the boss, cares about your inner joy. Billu glances at the rear car seat and notices a scrunched up copy of a book titled Living Your Best Life. Written by an IIM graduate who sold his Ferrari gave up shares in his million-dollar unicorn startup and was now teaching yoga in the banks of the river Ganga. Now I know why you talk the way you do. Stop reading this shit during your breaks. You will get dysentery in your brain, Billu said. The two men watched Virat enter the home. Billu smiled. It was his way of expressing the joy in his soul. Virat pulls out the Beretta and readies it in his grip before placing his hand on the door. It wasn't locked. He pushes it open. A deadly silence greets him. He looks to the left. Perched on top of the living room coffee table was an oversized framed photograph of Anya smiling beautifully. It was decorated with flowers and balloons. A giant banner above it read, Welcome home, Daddy. 
Virat bit down a wave of sorrow as he scanned the rest of the room. He looked ahead. A trail of clothes and makeup items were strewn on the carpeted passageway that led to the dining room. He moved forward, swiveling left, then right, and back again, ready to pump bullets into anyone who thought it was a wise move to ambush one of the greatest contract killers in India. The items on the floor belonged to Nirmala. Her undergarments, the expensive lipstick he had purchased for her during their London holiday, her birthday gift, a necklace of blue corals with gold trimmings was draped on the lighting fixture on the wall. Virat bit his lips and drew blood. He was a man used to butchering human bodies, both live and dead. Yet he could tell he was not prepared for what was coming next. He knew it in the depths of his soul. The smell wafting in from the dining room was disgusting. The dining table was set up for a dinner for six. Steaming hot curries in copper vessels, naan in straw baskets, and a big glass bowl of rice and raitha graced the surface of the table. Seated at the head of the table was the ruined, embalmed body of Nirmala. There was very little left of her head. Her neck and chest were ravished by stitches and black bullet holes like craters on the surface of the moon. The syndicate had clearly procured her body from the morgue. Davina's decapitated head was set atop a large pineapple that served as the decorative centerpiece of the dining table. Her eyes were rolled up, exposing its whites. Her blue mouth bore cuts and bruises. Her ears were clipped away, indicating extreme torture. The flesh at the base of her neck was jagged and ruined. It was clear to Virat that they had used a serrated machete to separate her head from her torso. Slow, painful and messy, and done on purpose. Inside Ravina's mouth was a tiny Nokia mobile phone. A yellow post-it note was stuck on Ravina's head. It said, Call me. Virat bends down, trying to fight a wave of nausea. Grief forms into a ball of heat and threatens to explode his head. The smell of rotting flesh, embalming fluid and delicious food had turned his former home into an exotic charnel house. He spits out some bile on the floor, staining it yellow before rising and wiping his mouth. He takes three breaths. Then comes an angry cry which he suppresses immediately. Virat picks the phone out of Ravina's mouth carefully and dials the only number stored in the contact section. Mr. Nariman, 
How is the welcome home party? Mirad doesn't say anything back. You must be really enjoying the company of your guests and the excellent food. So much so that it has made you speechless, eh? <laughs> Who are you? Mirad asks. That is none of your business. But you can refer to me as your father. Your father you didn't know you had. Who now owns your ass. <laughs> yes. Virat grunts in pain and anger. Listen, your wife had to go because she was a real pain. What's the expression? A thorn in our flesh. I mean, you would appreciate the gesture, given she was responsible for your daughter's death and all. You, Virat says. But the man ignores him and continues speaking. And your girlfriend, well, collateral damage, I'm afraid. We tried to finish you off, but you made her your shield, he said. I did not, without growls. Shh, shh, shh. No, Virat, no, 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 no. You bark and growl when I tell you to bark and growl. I don't think you get it. You are my bitch now. Virat glances at Nirmala's body with sadness. As the head of the syndicate, I am prepared to show some benevolence towards you and your junkie son. That is what we are here to talk about. The terms of a business proposal that will keep you and whatever is left of your pathetic family alive and kicking. Virat pulls out a chair and sits on it. Phone pressed hard against his ears. Are you prepared to listen? Or do you want to die right now? The man asks. I'm listening. Virat says. Good, good boy. Or do you prefer a good dog? <laughs> it fills me with joy to see you like this, Virat. You are a legend in the business. You have indirectly worked for us in the past. You just didn't know about it. We are like the darkest shadow in the darkest night. Anyways... We are aware of the situation with your son, that uh, useless drug addict, the man said. His name is Praveen, Virat says. Whatever, we know where he is, and we can hand him over to you unharmed if you perform a hit for us, he says. How do I know if I can trust you? Virat says, you don't. Wait, why are you even trying to query our intentions? Do I need to remind you again, big man? You are at our mercy now. You are the shit stuck on our boots. So just shut up and listen. You have railroaded our sex trafficking network. Literally taken a machete to the whole thing. It's gone. We have to start afresh. And for us to do that, 
there is one last vestige of that old system that we need to take care of. The man on the phone pauses for dramatic effect. The accountant, the man who did the numbers, ferried millions of rupees that flowed into our coffers because some men in this country are sick fucks. We don't want to be seen as responsible for taking out people who are loyal to us. Not a good look, especially when we need to hire people from top to bottom to get the girls from their safe homes to our secret brothels all over again. That's right. We are going to rebrand and restart the business that you thought you had burned to the ground. Without sighs into the phone. You get my flow, man. You don't get to win. Ever. You are going to do our dirty work by bumping off the accountant at his daughter's wedding. In return, you get to live. You get your son. And you get to work for us for the rest of your life. Virat wipes the beads of sweat on his forehead. What do you think, Lady Man? Will it be a yes? Or would you like your son's stiff, lifeless body to join you at the amazing lunch party? <laughs> Tell me this. How's the smell of failure in that dining room? All the women you fucked and loved now staring lifelessly at Malai Kofta and Garlic Naan. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. He laughs raucously, amused at his cruel joke. I will take your silence as a yes. The details will arrive on this phone. The front door suddenly bursts open. Virat pulls out his gun and aims it down the passageway. It was Chetiar, bearing a Glock handgun. Oh, I thought I asked you to leave, Virat says to him angrily. How could I? I was worried. I waited and when I didn't see you for a while, I decided to come in. Is everything okay? Chetiar asks. No, Virat says. Chetiar steps forward. Stop. I don't want you to come in here, Virat says. We will speak in the car. Twenty minutes into their drive, Virat opens up to Chetiar about the horrifying diorama in the dining room and the syndicate's offer. Chetiar whimpers as he listens to his friend. He couldn't comprehend how Virat could be calm as he recounted the terrifying ordeal. I think they are bluffing about Praveen. I know how good he is at disappearing, Virat says. Think about it, Viru. This might be the only chance at peace you have with this mob. Just accept the deal, Chetiar says. They're playing at something else, my friend. And I'm not going to let them win. 
please do me a favor. Use all your networks, all your connections, and help me find my son. Please, do this one last thing for me. Virat says. Virat, but... Chetiar begins to say. Virat raises his hand and Chetiar stops arguing. What are you going to do next, Viru? Chetiar asks. I am going to a wedding to kill an accountant.